Vox Populi, Vox Day. The people have spoken, says Elon Musk, as he gives the thumbs up to reinstating Trump's Twitter account. You're listening to the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I'm Brad Binkley. Top story of the day, chaos at Twitter. And isn't that the top story every day now? Musk tweeted the other day that Twitter is, in all caps, all the news, and he's not wrong. On that day, every single trend, I think it was like two days ago, was either a another social media platform that people were going to go to, Mastodon, Counter Social, because of Twitter collapsing, or rep- references to Twitter collapsing. And, and those are the other Twitter-related stories, the collapse of Twitter that people are talking about in the news, which... I don't know that's gonna, that that is going to happen the way the media tells us it is. And then there's the Elon Musk fired half the company and then reported the firings kind of hilariously on Twitter stories. And then we have the Elon reinstating Jordan Peterson in the Babylon Bee, but not Alex Jones news stories, which I'd love to hear his reasoning as to why he is not reinstating Alex Jones. And then there's the ongoing saga of the bought and paid for blue check blue check marks versus the official accounts, the previously blue checked mark accounts, which that whole system is apparently being retooled and will be rolled out again at the end of this month, whatever that means. But for now, there's a little battle there and some confusion going on. And right now, the most chaotic Twitter news going on on Twitter and all over the media is that right as I'm recording this, Musk finally revealed the results of his poll his Twitter poll, where he asked the people to vote whether or not Trump should be reinstated onto the the account. It's like Musk is Joaquin Phoenix from the movie Gladiator, except instead of Rome, Musk is the emperor of Twitter. And he's sitting there at Twitter headquarters with his thumb dangling in the wind, his arm extended, not knowing. We don't know if it's going to go down or if it's going to go up. But the people, when the people you win your freedom... And the vote went Trump's way, so Elon Musk gave the big thumbs up, and Trump has now been reinstated. You can go to his account, and of course, that's all anybody's talking about on on Twitter, and I'm sure Rachel Maddow is slamming her head into the wall. Actually, she doesn't care. She's just an actress anyway. She, she doesn't care. Musk did tweet the results of the Trump poll, which he said it this way, and this is just right as I started recording. I had to stop and watch all the chaos happen and then start recording again. I'll put this up on screen. There you see it from Elon Musk, 7.53 p.m. November 19th, 2022. The people have spoken. Trump will be reinstated. Vox Populi, Vox Dei, which that is a Latin phrase. That means the voice of the people is the voice of God. The people have spoken, as Musk said. Over 15 million people voted in his poll here, which is Quite an election, so to speak. I wonder if they're going to be challenging the results of this, if there's going to be people demanding an audit or recount, if maybe it ends up taking three or four weeks to maybe get the official results here. I don't know when CNN is going to call it, but that's that's what this that's where this could be going. We just do the vote on Twitter like this, and then everybody can just obsess about this, and then we can talk about verification and whatnot. Anyway, the vote went like this. Trump got 51.8% of the over 15 million votes and for yes, and then 48.2 voted no. And then once again, Musk tweeted, Vox Populi, Vox Day, and 134 million people have seen this poll, which is a message to advertisers. 
Trump even did a little campaigning for himself on Truth Social where he truthed for people to go over to Twitter and cast a yes vote for him while also assuring everyone that Truth Social is going nowhere. And I believe him when it comes to that because Trump can just use Twitter to stir things up and tease information that you can only get on Truth Social, thus driving people over to Truth Social as well. That, that's what I expect to go on with Truth Social. So the question here is, is this how Elon is going to govern on Twitter? Vox Populi, Vox Day. I don't think it is because, as I mentioned earlier, he did not put this question to the Alex Jones suspension because I think probably he knows that the outcome could end up being a yes. It would be probably close like Trump's, but he is not ready to put Alex Jones back on the platform. So he's not going to let the will of the people answer the question unless he's okay with either outcome. Really what I wonder is, will he ever put any question that is consequential, that he is willing to accept regardless of the outcome that the people answer with? Because that's the true test there. If he's only willing to put questions to the public, to the mob, that he either knows what the answer will be, or he's okay with either outcome, or he's going to do what he's going to do anyway, then it's not truly the people have spoken. It's not truly Vox Populi, Vox Day. It's Elon Musk just doing what he was already going to do or throwing something to the mob that he doesn't really care all that much about so that they can have fun playing with and he can collect a whole bunch of data from. There's a lot that they can gain out of this little experiment that he did here. It was very interesting. I'm not like pro-wild mob or anything. You know, mobs can get out of control when being directed by a very powerful, influential figure. You know, I'm not against surveying opinion or anything like that, but, you know, you know. Whatever. I think there could be good from some of this, but I'm also a little suspect about it. I am going to talk more about this in another show because what Elon is doing seems very similar to what the Ukrainian Goebbels, Zelensky's own personal Goebbels, said in a panel discussion that was about winning the information war against Russia, which apparently Ukraine has already won. That's the way that this woman talked about it. And she listed off the five or so things that were important to winning, continuing to win this information war. And she talked about using these social media platforms like Twitter specifically as a battleground for the information war in an attempt to organize and mobilize not just citizens of your own country, but citizens in other countries and in adversary countries for the purpose, just around the world, for the purpose of subverting the governments of those adversary countries by speaking directly to those people, getting cyber hackers to help you break through any internet blockages they have, talking directly to them for the purpose of riling them up and turning them against the those governments, causing uprisings. I mean, this is what she talked about. It's actually a very eye-opening discussion that they had. Just the way, just as open and bold that they are as they are when they talk about it. I guess they assume that nobody's really watching. I mean, what if the next question that Musk asked was, yes or no, should we continue funding the Ukraine war? Should Biden continue sending multi-billion dollar weapons packages to Zelensky to fund an army that Ukraine admits has neo-Nazis with swastika tattoos fighting in it? Where videos, we see videos of people giving the Heil Hitler salute when I guess the army passes by. Should we continue sending money to them? He's not going to ask that. I would have loved to see the 
the yes-no ratio on that. But what if he asked something like, hey, Russians on Twitter, how many of you are willing to stand up to Putin and overthrow his autocratic government? How many of you oppressed people in Russia want to stand up and fight for democracy against your anti-democratic dictator, your oppressor, President Putin? Let's say half a million people, or not even, maybe 50,000, 100,000 people vote for that. 80% say yes. That all of a sudden makes people in that country say, hey, I had no idea that that many people agree with me. I'm going to go protest, and they, maybe they end up in a violent confrontation with people at the Kremlin. Is that good or bad? That doesn't matter, really. The point is that one person tweeting something out like that who has such influence, like Musk does, having the power to do something like that. And the more and more the world gets connected through these social media platforms, the smaller and smaller the number of people it takes to organize, mobilize, and weaponize an international mob of people and direct that mob at some purpose. Now, I don't think we're there yet. I think a lot of this is just Twitter fun, distraction and whatnot, keeping people fighting, occupying their minds, preventing us from finding out other information. But the whole idea of what the Ukrainian Goebbels calls one true democracy around the world, because the way that she kind of frames it is the autocrats and the dictators, the, just anybody who disagrees with them, any country, even countries who are allies, they can subvert the governments of those countries if those governments aren't going along with what they're saying using these informational war, warfare techniques through social media. So she says anyway. I, I don't agree that it's working. I think she's full of it. But that's the idea, is to control the world and spread your idea of democracy, which we know their idea of democracy is not democracy, It's shut up, do what we tell you, take the jab, put on the mask, not even close, through social media. And Musk is actually showing far more influence using the platform than any of them have, in my opinion. Honestly, it's quite brilliant what he's doing with Trump from a marketing standpoint. I mean, he could have just quietly reinstated Trump's account, and that would have made news. But it, it also would have been a missed opportunity if he didn't make a show of it. If you didn't drive people to Twitter, if you didn't get the public actively involved, engaging, cheering, who's going to win? Checking back over and over and over again. I mean, I bet the Twitter usage is at an all-time high. I mean, that's, that's definitely why he tweeted, 134 million people have seen this poll. You hear me, advertisers? Imagine your ad right next to this Trump poll. Not only that... People are continuing to come back and comment on it. They're actually looking at it over and over and over again. The same thing. That's like an advertiser's dream. And this is what he's showcasing with what he's doing with Twitter. So there's a lot of things going on. But drawing in the advertisers, because he talks specifically about this, is that, that's a pretty good tactic that he's using right there. So he's not going to waste an opportunity when you have a person like Trump. You can do that with. And the same goes for Alex Jones. He might not let Alex Jones back, at least right now. But he's got Alex Jones in his pocket that if he is going to let him back at any point in time, it's going to be another dramatic, everybody's waiting to see what happens. I mean, kind of like in in Gladiator. He's going to get the thumbs up or thumbs down. So now I want to talk about another aspect of Twitter, which is the battle of the blue check marks. Those who are considered official sources who previously had them and those who bought them. 
You know, you know, there's the two blue check marks now. I know that you know this. There's the ones who are considered official sources who had them before the Elon Musk era. And then there's the ones who spent $8 to buy them through Twitter Blue. And the problem that arised, or the confusion anyway, is that on the surface, they look the exact same. So you can no longer spot your favorite official source that people like Stephen Colbert love uh, right away because they look the same as the people who paid for the blue check mark. And Colbert said something during his monologue that highlighted the problem as he sees it, which I, I don't see it as a problem. I see it as glorious, actually. Really, truly glorious. But he sees it as a problem. And I'm going to play the clip for you. Here's what Colbert said, illustrating what he thinks is a consequence, a bad consequence of the two competing blue check marks that currently exist on Twitter. Yesterday, NATO member Poland announced that a Russian-made missile fell on their country, which is a big deal because NATO's Article 5 says that an attack against one ally is considered an attack against all allies. So basically, NATO has the same self-defense strategy as a group of drunk bachelorettes. What? <laughs> what did you say about Rochelle? Oh, oh, it is on, bitch. Just wait till I take off my novelty penis earrings, and then I'm going to f- you up. No, no, no. You might not know this, but most of Colbert's writers are girls or women. He talks about this a lot. He brings them out a lot. It's very obvious by his material. Most of the material he does is not material written by a man, clearly. That is the applause of recognition, I see. NATO is saying it's likely Russia didn't attack Poland. Now they're saying that because it's more likely that a missile fired defensively by Ukrainian air defenses accidentally crossed the Polish border. But at the time, last night, no one knew that. So people raced to Twitter where in the past you could get reliable information. Not so much this time. (laughs) According to one reporter who tweeted, World War III is maybe breaking out and I am here clicking on accounts, verified checks to see whether they're officials or Twitter blue subscribers. That's right. We could be at World War III and have no way of knowing. Okay, haha, hilarious, funny. The point, obviously, there is, well, before the Elon Musk era, we could go straight to those official sources that have the credible information that can inform us about the world war that we're in and we need to know about right now. That's the premise there, and that's that whole idea has just been mucked up by these paid-for blue check marks. A couple of things here. First of all, people in living during prior to World War I, World War II, I don't think that they ran to Twitter to get their information about the war when it broke out. And secondly, if you were running to Twitter prior to the Musk era, Straight to Twitter to get information about a crisis. Tunnel vision. Block out. Don't even look at anything that is not verified because you know which sources are official and which ones you can trust. The blue check marks. If that is what you are doing, blinding yourself to all others, going straight to that information, I've got news for you. You've been lied to for quite some time now because running directly to the blue check marks in the pre-Musk era, well, you're running right past information that questions things and could actually help reveal maybe some truth, and straight directly to the people who are definitely going to lie to you because they know that you trust them without question. This old blue checkmark model that Twitter used is awful. 
it is what they're trying to spread around the world with news literacy and media literacy. And they're trying to create this standard of evaluating information that only asks the question, is this a credible authoritative source? That's it. That is the extent of the critical thinking that's being taught in these news literacy and mis- and disinformation courses in high schools. I've seen some of the material. It's truly awful. It says stuff like, so-and-so is reliable because so-and-so is a reliable source, just as is the World Health Organization. So you're credible because of your credibility. You're credible because of the blue check mark. So the whole credibility lies with the blue check mark. It's like a white lab coat. You put on a white lab coat and you all of a sudden are an authoritative, credible source because that white lab coat, separate from the person in and of itself, carries that credibility and authoritativeness with it. Edward Bernays, when he was really old, he lived to be like, I think, three or 4,000, was a guest on David Letterman's show. And when he came out, Letterman called him Dr. Bernays. And he's not a doctor. He's not a doctor. And Bernays joked about how he's not a doctor, how he just has people call him doctor because it makes him seem more credible to people, which makes them more likely to believe the things that he says. They're trying to teach people to think this way even more instead of push back. If you push back and you ask questions about it, they say, don't do your own research, racist. I mean, it's extraordinary. They're making people stupider. And that is what the old blue check mark promote. I mean, it was perfect for that. The old Twitter model was everything that's wrong with the news in the modern world. Everything. It amplified those who are most likely to lie to the level of influencer, promoting them everywhere while pushing down and even banning those who are most likely to tell the truth. And this is exactly why Colbert and others like him don't like the current blue check mark system in place. It takes away some of their power to lie so easily and be believed. As I said, kind of takes away their white lab coat. Or it gives everybody a white lab coat. And you're like, there's so many white lab coats around. Which one is the credible one? Let me look inside and check it. Which is kind of what you have to do. You have to click on it and see if they paid for the, the blue check mark or if they, were the, they had it already because they are official. So I want to show an example here just to really illustrate this. Colbert's talking about a situation where a war broke out, harder to find that official source of information that they know that they can trust. Let's go back in time to February when this very scenario happened in the pre-Elon Musk era at Twitter, when the Ukraine war broke out between Russia. On February 27th of this year, shortly after that war broke out, about a week after, the official Twitter account of Ukraine says, it tweeted this, you see that? It's the official Ukraine account. You see the blue check mark. That blue check mark has been there. I used to go to this account all the time. The reason I went to it is because I wanted to go find the lies that they spread so I can say, look, they spread the lies and they're the official. Exactly what I'm doing now. It says, people call him the ghost of Kiev, and rightly so. This UAF ace dominates the skies over our capital and country and has already become a nightmare for invading Russian aircrafts. And then along with that, it attaches a hype video full of planes and just dramatic moves. Might as well be like Top Gun, where it then goes on to tell the story of the ghost of Kiev. I'll play it here, and I will read to you what it says. Yeah, it's got a comic book image at the beginning, epic, like a hero. You hear the hype music. This is so crazy. And then it says... Ukraine probably got its first ace since World War II. This is an anonymous pilot of the MIG-29 nicknamed the Ghost of Kiev. In the first 30 hours of the Russian invasion in February 2022, he shot down six Russian military aircraft. 
As of February 26, 10 military planes of the occupiers. Oh, he shot down 10 military planes of the occupiers, they say. Then it says, to become an ace pilot, you need to shoot down five planes. And the ghost of Kiev shot down twice as many. Although it is still unknown who is piloting the Ukrainian MIG-29 plane and whether he is responsible for the 10 downed Russian planes. <laughs> Ukrainians are grateful to this hero with brass balls who's having Russian aircraft for breakfast. They show an image of a pilot it's just a random pilot. This is not any person that's relevant to what they're saying. They just they threw it in there to make you think it was. And happy hunting. And there's a Ukraine flag at the bottom. All right, there you go. There you go. So that, that, that was uh, the blue check marked official account that... The type of account that Colbert would have you run to to find real truthful information in the midst of a crisis like a, like a war, which is exactly what that was. Except the only problem is that that truthful information that he hopes to find, at least in this case, was not at all truthful information. That was all made up. Everything in that video was made up. It was a lie. Now, we didn't... I, so, I, I never thought it was true because I've been studying war propaganda for a decade and that was obvious war propaganda it was so obvious most people i think who have a brain knew that that stuff was a lie but the former ukrainian president the current like every all the ukraine official accounts confirmed that it's true yes it's true we're so brave you should come join us in this fight send us money in this fight because of our bravery and what we're doing we need your help come on that was spread to our mainstream media to our politicians to people that we all know this went super viral. So did other fake stories that were proven to be fake. People believed them. And it wasn't until months later that our media finally admitted that they were fake and made up. And that Ukraine, after doubling down multiple times, finally admitted once their purpose of mobilizing support for the war and getting weapons and getting money had been achieved creating a sentiment they needed to create, had already been achieved, then they said, yeah, yeah, we made it all up. You can see it on screen. Here's an article of the president, former president, saying, yes, it is true. That's actually, that's actually a week before this video was tweeted out with the picture on the video. You see, that, that's that picture there, and it claims in this article that that is the ghost of Kiev. I remember when I first saw this image, I said, how could, because part of the story is that they don't know who he is. He's mysterious. How could they not know who he is, yet have a close-up picture of him just sitting in a plane like that? You're obviously not telling us the truth. But people, because they're taught not to think, they're taught to accept what the authoritative sources say, the official sources, they just don't question it. And this is why Colbert is upset. Because people will question things maybe now. And here's an article from the AP that says... Ukraine admits that the ghost of Kiev story was not real. Look at the date on that one. May 1st. That's two months after all of the confirming and the telling of the story. As I said, after their purpose had been achieved. So I think the current system of blue check marks is glorious, actually. Now, I don't think it's going to stay that way because it's already on hold. I don't think you can even get, uh, get one right now for the $8 a month. 
because they suspended it because of some of the people mimicking accounts and doing crazy stuff. You know the stories. Musk is going to be rolling out an updated, a new blue check mark system at the end of the month, which I think is probably going to be like a three-tiered system. I think that tier one will be the old school blue check marks, the quote, official sources that Colbert wants to be able to blindly run to so he can be propagandized directly. And then tier two, so tier one, their check marks are going to be clearly distinguishable from tier two, which is going to be the Twitter blue $8 subscription people. And then tier three is going to be everybody else who doesn't have Twitter blue and doesn't have the other check mark. Now, even though people made fun of the $8 thing when it first came out, many people will, in fact, spring for the $8 a month because if they do, their tweets will get more traction, they'll get more attention, more retweets, more likes. There'll be a lot of benefits that Musk offers to get people to jump on board. And also, if you don't get the blue check mark, your tweets will be pushed down into obscurity. They'll be harder and harder to find. Musk talked about this during an interview like a week and a half ago. So this is like his plan. Ultimately, it'll be kind of the same except the people with the paid-for blue check marks won't be as mad that they're not on equal ground anyway, visually, when it comes to the white lab coat, as the Tier 1 people because they'll be kind of placated with these other benefits that their $8 a month are getting. That's my prediction. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll actually be... Maybe it'll come up with a good solution. I don't know. Here's a couple tweets that Musk tweeted that echoed the opposite sentiment of... Colbert. Musk, which is funny because Colbert's not, definitely not a billionaire and Musk is, yet he's the one reflecting the perspective of the people for the most part, which he does on purpose, I think, to kind of become this cult hero leader so he can do some of the things that he is doing. He said, Twitter is like open sourcing the news. Yes, it is. And then in another tweet, he said, coverage of the FTX meltdown is incomparably faster and better quality on Twitter than old school media. Yes, with the current blue checkmark system. If the others, again, tier one, rise to the top, then again, it will be bad. So we'll see what he does with it. A lot of what he's doing is collecting data and he's showing how he can drive engagement through those polls and through some of these provocative things that he does so he can show that advertisers that he can get eyeballs on their advertisements is what he's doing. And while he does have tweets like those, he also has tweets like this one, which he tweeted, I think, yesterday. New Twitter policy is freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach. Negative slash hate tweets will be max deboosted and demonetized. So no ads or revenue to Twitter. That's also a message for advertisers. Don't worry about the bad stuff. And then he says, you won't find the tweet unless you specifically seek it out, which is no different from the rest of the internet. It'll go off into obscurity. Now, obviously the question arises, who gets to determine what negative and what hate is? And negative, what do you mean negative? What if you just have a sour attitude you're going to get? you know, pushed down and and demonetized. Okay, so with that said, I'm going to move on to the final story of the day, which is about unnamed sources, phantom evidence, and the continuing saga of House Pelosi. But before we get to that, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the DNBXR, which is how one city is paying people off to become trans and an odd woke job that pays six figures. If you want access to that subscriber-only portion of the show, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there today. What you will get along with the subscriber-only portion of the show is this show, the Drive Time News Blast, ad-free. I take all the ads out for subscribers and put this show together with the DMBXR subscriber portion of the show that is delivered to you via your own private 
Patreon RSS feed that you can pop into just about any app that you listen to your podcast on. Check it out today. It's how I fund the show, how I keep this thing going. You can also support the show by going over to iTunes and leaving a five-star rating and a comment that warms my heart and keeps my morale high and keeps me motivated. The wonderful things that you guys say are, I can't even tell you how helpful it is. It really, really is helpful. This can be tough work to do sometimes, and it makes you feel good when people say nice things. So thank you guys, and thank you guys for listening and all the support that you've given. All right, on to the final story of the day. The ongoing saga of House Pelosi. Yes, Nancy is retiring from Speaker of the House at 82 years old. Wow. I don't care. I just don't care. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I were 82 years old, if I had a wife that looked like her at 82 years old, you know, um, you know, I'd be all right. In fact, there's some people that I know that probably at 32 years old would be all right with that. I mean, not me, but I know some people. But I don't care about that story. We'll still see her in the news all the time, probably. Whatever. The Pelosi family story that interests most people is obviously the Paul Pelosi story. And I wanted to do that, talk about that follow-up story to what I talked about last week. The NBC reporter who was suspended for doing a segment that aired, that was then later taken down, that conflicted with the official narrative about the Paul Pelosi nudist hammer incident. The guy who voted for Obama, you know, the MAGA Republican who voted for Obama, which that is true. So I shouldn't act like there aren't people who voted for Obama and Trump because there are. Maybe he did end up into a Trump supporter. I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, I don't believe the thing even happened, really. So I, I don't know why I'm even speculating there. But here's what this says. There's, been, uh, there's another development in the story. As newly revealed body cam footage reportedly contradicts the Department of Justice's account of the sequence of events that led up to the attack on Paul Pelosi and confirms that Pelosi opened the door with his left hand for the police officers who responded to the call and let them in. This is according to a court document that was filed Earlier this month, there's no word yet on whether or not the other NBC reporter will be reinstated and the segment put back on air. The story then goes on to say that while the DOG, DOJ claimed the DOG, the dog, the DOJ claimed in an indictment filed on November 9th that the officers opened the door themselves. Body cam footage viewed by the San Francisco District Attorney's Office confirms that it was Pelosi who let them in to the home. A source who personally viewed the footage told the NBC area investigative unit. Okay. I tried to find this court document. If the San Francisco District Attorney's Office confirms it, why is a source who personally viewed it but not somebody from the District Attorney's Office? Like, Why would they say that? Why wouldn't they just give a name of somebody from the District Attorney's Office who said that and confirmed that? And why is another NBC affiliate reporting basically the same thing that this other guy reported at an NBC affiliate that was removed. Why is it allowed here and not there? This is all very strange. It's because it's a psyop. I mean, I, I'm I'm sick of the a, a source who personally viewed the footage, a source familiar with the thinking, a source who was in the room across the street, a source who slept with or or, or rode the L train with somebody who walked their dog past the the person who got hit with a hammer. I, I'm sick of it. I mean, it just said the body cam footage was viewed by the San Francisco's district attorney's office, and then it was we had to rely on a source familiar that. I tried to find that document, if it was in that document, and I couldn't find the document. I watched the news report where they talked about it, and it seems pretty clear to me that even the document they're talking about cites 
an unnamed source confirming, and nobody from that district attorney's office has come out and confirmed or rejected this claim. This is so stupid. The district attorney actually refused to provide documents and video, the police body cam video, to Judicial Watch. A Braves outfielder got arrested earlier this year, and the body cam footage was all over the internet in like a couple of hours. You could watch it. Why can't we get any footage of any of this? I actually heard somebody on CNN who claimed to have seen it talking about it, and it was clear they didn't like talking about it because they couldn't describe anything that was going on in it. Maybe they'll argue that, well, we want to, it's their privacy. We don't want to embarrass Mr. Pelosi. You know what? If you didn't use this story to demonize anybody who questioned the election as an anti-democratic threat to America, then I'd say fine. But since you use this story for that purpose, show us the body cam footage, or at least for me, I'm going to continue to think that this whole thing was staged and made up, not real. Maybe they were there and they did something, but they didn't do anything like they're telling us. This is, this is a staged story, in my opinion. And I will continue to believe that till I see an ounce of evidence to support what they've told us. And until I stop seeing... NBC take down a report on one affiliate and then let the same report by another person run on another. I mean, go F yourself for thinking people won't recognize these things. Maybe getting upset and actually getting in the weeds on this is is what they want. Whatever. This is stupid. We'll find out like in five years after this guy takes a plea deal, which he most definitely will. I don't know what he agreed to to be a part of this, but it was something. Maybe he's going to have his own nudist colony on Epstein Island. I don't know. And I imagine we won't really find out the truth of these, of this story, the real details, if there are any, until the Pelosi's are no longer with us. All right. On that note, that's going to wrap it up for the Drive Time News Blast today. The subscriber-only DMBXR is starting next. To get access to that again, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there today. Propagandafight.com is the website. Thank you for listening and have a fantastic rest of your day.